Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey guys, so happy to have you here. So in today's episode, I talk with Lindsay Maestas, who is the host of the Living Easy podcast, and we talk about biblical relationships. So no matter what phase you are in your life, this is for you. So if you're single, if you're dating, if you're newly married, or if you've been married for a while, this will apply to you and your relationship. We talk about why it's so important to put God first in your relationship, common ways that we actually disrespect our significant other without even knowing it, and then why expectations are actually detrimental to your relationship. So we're going to get that started in just a couple seconds. But real quick, I just wanted to remind you, if you do enjoy listening to this podcast, um, and I assume you do because you keep coming back for more, so thank you, um, please leave me a five-star review on whatever podcast platform that you listen to it on. And it only takes like a minute, and it would just mean the world to me. So thank you so much, and let's get this episode started. Awesome. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here in the midst of chaotic mornings, probably for you too. I know mornings are always hard. Well, what time is it there? It's actually not morning, is it? Yeah, it was afternoon over here. Okay. Well, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm honored. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you for for making time because I know being a mama and a business owner, you're a busy woman. So thank you. Um, so introduce yourself. Can you tell um, my listeners what you do? Sure. So I am, I guess, first and foremost, a podcaster, lover of Jesus, who tells people about um, Jesus and the way that I kind of started everything. I always say was I was nine months postpartum, knee deep in postpartum anxiety, just really struggling to kind of find direction and also feeling like the worst mom in the world because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, I kind of spoke to people about it and it was more of like, you'll get the hang of it, you know, but when I was afraid to touch my baby and when I was afraid to like put him in the car seat and when my husband couldn't leave the house without me having like an absolute panic attack, we started kind of digesting it a little bit further. And I started finding things and you can find like medical information. And again, this was five and a half, six years ago. So I think that we've grown in this area a lot. But when I searched for things with about postpartum anxiety and moms who actually were in the thick of it, I could find almost nothing. So my first blog post started with um, just kind of sharing everything about the hard moments and just being really vulnerable and honest. And I saw the freedom that that brought other moms. And then I shared a, another story um, months later about my like sexual promiscuity, my codependency, jumping relationship to relationship and wanting to be pure, but not even knowing what that even could look like um, until I surrendered my life to Jesus after much, much um, rebellion, I guess I would say. And then I shared a story about that and it did, um, God just made it what it was ultimately and just shared his gospel through that story and the freedom that he can bring to women. And then I was like, you know, I want to talk more. And so I started a podcast and people don't really read blogs as much anymore, unfortunately. 
And so I started a podcast, the living easy podcast, where I talk about, I focus heavily on marriage and relationships, friendships, motherhood. Um, but I also dig deep into just really hard conversations like toxic people, difficult in-laws, social media, heart checks, those types of things to challenge women. Cause I just believe I always say nothing changes if nothing changes, like we have to have awareness, but then we also have to take the step to do those things. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And I'm, I create courses, the wife project, which we'll talk about. Um, and I'm a mama and a happy wife and that's pretty much it. <laughs> wow. I, I, I love that. And I love hearing your story and it, it makes me want to ask. So were you born into a Christian household? Have you always been a Christian or was it new for you when you got older? Yeah. So my mom, um, my mom was a believer, but she didn't really know how to live out her faith. She was like the only one in her family. She had gone to church once and I think, or maybe a couple times and she had just given her life. Like the Holy spirit took over in that moment. So she would go to church occasionally, but she didn't know how to communicate that to us, I guess. And, um, so she would kind of share like, here's the Bible, you know, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with the Bible. And then at 14, she married a Christian man who is now my stepdad and he, um, led her in her walk and then started leading us. And I still was so disrespectful and I wanted nothing to do with it. I always called myself a Christian cause we would go to like, I don't know, kid groups and stuff occasionally just as like a camp or something to do but I had no idea what it actually meant to walk and live like Jesus. And so when I um, was 14, I was raped and I really struggled with validation for a lot of reasons. Episode 30, um, my story on the podcast, living easy podcast talks in depth about this, but basically there was a lot of invalidation in that, even though I told people about it. And so it made me feel really worthless. And so I just started kind of giving myself away because I felt like that's what guys wanted or needed. But I did like, especially looking back, I always had this deep sense of conviction. I always had this deep sense of like, this is, I would leave crying. I would leave feeling like I need to take 10 showers. Um, and it's like, these were mostly boyfriends, but even at that time I knew like one, I'm so young for this Two, This can't be right. But I didn't know how or why like how to explain that, I guess. Um, and so as my family kept kind of talking to me about Jesus, I really battled them. And so it took five years. And then at five years, I was like, all right, Lord, I've read Scientology. I've read Buddhism books. I've read about the art of the universe, you know, and self-help and all of these things. And nothing is changing my heart. Like I'm a wreck. And and from an exterior standpoint, like I had straight A's, I was getting two degrees, I was living, you know, well, pursuing two degrees, I guess at that point, but, and I had it all together. Nobody really would have known the wreck that I was, the damage I was doing to friendships, all those things. And so I finally, I joke about this, but I heard Jessica Simpson say she was a secondhand virgin. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? And that is not real. But then as I started reading the Bible, second Corinthians five seventeen says in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And then I, I embraced that. And I said, you know what, Lord, if you can clean me, like cleanse me, purify me, I am all yours because I don't want this anymore. And he broke my heart in a million ways in the best way and just started rebuilding me. 
from scratch. And um, not that it's been easy to be in a marriage after a history like that, but it has been really wonderful. And I have the most incredible husband who's really led me and helped to walk me through a lot of the struggles that I still face because of those things, like insecurity and trust issues and all that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So I became a Christian at 19 after much, much struggle. Wow. I, I feel like um, a lot of girls can relate to, you know, the struggles that you went through, especially feeling like we're doing everything right in society's eyes, but it still not be fulfilling. I know that was one of my biggest struggles that I had was, you know, I was going to school, getting straight A's. Like I also, you know, went to college and got two degrees and still not feeling, feeling fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that, that only God, that, that only God can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something a lot of women definitely do struggle with. And man, it just breaks my heart hearing, you know, what happened to you when you were 14. And I'm sure what, what happened afterwards had a lot to do in your mind with like control, like you didn't have control over that, but now you can have control over your body from, from then on. And I'm sure that's a mindset that a lot of people probably struggle with. Yeah. Well, and it's feeling like I have, I have little worth. And so my worth resided in these guys that I would spend this time with. And I didn't want them to leave. I was so terrified of being alone. Um, I literally had like boyfriends, like a boyfriend. And then I, if things started getting rocky or feeling uncomfortable, I would have someone like a guy who had been hitting on me or a guy, a close friend that I knew would maybe be interested if I opened up that door on speed dial. And if something went wrong, I was in the arms of someone else. I was like, it was so quick. I mean, a day, like a day, I couldn't be alone. I was so afraid of that because I had no idea what it was like to just sit with myself. And Mm -hmm. I think I was really scared. And sometimes I struggle with that. Even now I stay very busy and distracted. Um, and it gives me very little time to actually process life. Like I just keep moving. And I think I did that then. I just kept moving from relationship to relationship. It was incredibly unhealthy. They were all very unhealthy relationships. And, and I think that it, it, I was afraid of what would happen if I actually sat with myself and realized the person that I had allowed myself to be in the sin I had chosen and the consequences that came from that. And so I filled the space, but then it was, like you said, a very, very much a control. I can at least say that I am choosing to do this with these guys. I can at least say that I have the power, even though I hate it. So it's very interesting and bizarre, but that I still am in a place of like, okay, I, I call the shots. Whereas with the, the guy that um, hurt me, I didn't call the shots. So yeah, that's a good point. What advice would you give to other girls and women who are maybe stuck in a similar situation to what you were going through? I think exactly that, that you're not stuck. I think I felt like there was no other solution. There was no other lifestyle. And what I've seen, this story that I shared, my testimony um, by the grace of God has been shared to countries and um, 
different countries, different cities, the most common people that it has reached are people in Africa, women in Africa. And I have no idea how, but I'm like, okay, Lord, you do your thing. And I've received so, so many um, emails from women in Ghana and Zimbabwe. And it's just so cool. But it shows me that there are so many women who battle with the same thing. And the greatest struggle is that they feel like there's no road out. Um, but the truth is the Bible says like the narrow path, right? And while that's referring to salvation and that Jesus is the only way, I also believe that it refers to the way that we live our lives, that the easy way is to just keep dating and to idolize these relationships and put them in the place of God and to say, you know, we're going to get married anyway, so I can sleep with him, even though it's not biblical, biblical, or we're already engaged. So you know, but I was looking at rings with some guy that I didn't end up with. And had I slept with him and given him my body and my heart, then I would still be saying like, God, your plan is not sufficient. Let me plan my own way. But I'm so glad I didn't do that. I knew God had more in store for me. And so I think it's just knowing that God will cleanse, God will purify, and he will change your life. But you do have to take steps and have an active faith to move forward in that relationship with him and to choose, um, not, not pre preaching purity culture, not all of this, but to literally live for him instead of for yourself, because that's what sin is. It's just selfish ambition. And, and so, and it's against him, you know, it's in a opposition to who the God of the universe has called you to be. So living and saying, okay, I am not too far gone to move forward. I am not too far gone to start over. The Bible says in Christ, you're a new creation and there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So you don't have to live in shame or guilt. You can live in full freedom. But a lot of this is sharing your story, being open and vocal about the things that you've done and struggled with having church friends, family members who can, um, speak to you about those things and counsel you through them. And just knowing like there is a new way. Jesse and I didn't sleep together before marriage and it was hard on me. That's what I knew. Like, that's what I thought love was. And he'd like throw me off of him. <laughs> He's like, I honor <laughs> you. I love you. And I'm going to honor God above you. And that means I'm not doing this. And I'm like, you don't want me. You think I'm disgusted, you know, emotional manipulation, which we'll talk about. Um, yep. <laughs> and he stood his ground, you know, he was a good man and he is a good man. And I just, I'm so thankful for that because by my own strength, I can't say obviously that I would have stood my ground. And that's why I think it's so important to find a, a man who balances you, you know, find somebody who has their own faith. Like that's why the Bible says to be evenly yoked in your relationships. You need to have the same foundation or else things get really messy and hard. And then you kind of let go of those morals and, and the gospel kingdom focus that you're called to have. Wow. Those are, those are so many good points. And I'm just curious how, um, you know, with your struggle with, you know, self-worth and, and all that, um, you know, I, I feel like I went through a similar situation and then meeting my husband who I've, who was a pure soul, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of struggling. I, I know I struggle with not feeling good enough. Um, for him, I'm wondering if, if you went through that kind of same mentality of, you know, feeling like, like you're already 
dirty and you know finding a, a, a clean man so how how can you how did you work through that and how can other women work through that when they feel like they're not good enough I honestly feel like I have I've done so much heart holy work um with shame because I lived in so much that by the time Jesse and I got married, I really didn't live in that place anymore. And I think that's what it is, is like truly embracing the freedom that Jesus gives and saying, you know what? That is not who I am. I am a new human being. I am washed white as snow by the blood of Christ. And that is, it's just the most freeing thing in the world to me. Every single morning, God's mercies are new every morning, says what? Lamentations 323. And if we live in that and say, I am not the woman, the mother, the wife, the friend I was yesterday, because salvation and sanctification are very real. And so for me, it was realizing if Jesus died, which he did, if he died on the cross, if he was beaten and persecuted for my sin, for me sleeping around, for me being dependent on these men, for my idolatry, if he was beaten and hung on that cross for that, and then rose again for that. Who am I? This tiny little ant in society that he somehow loves so deeply. Who am I to say, mm, thanks, Jesus, but I don't forgive myself? That is, I mean, I genuinely believe that's like blasphemy. Because <laughs> I'm I'm like, who, who am I to say what you did is not truly enough for me to forgive myself? Um, and not coming from a prideful perspective, because not that it's not something I've had struggles with, with having dreams and having to cope with those things and having longings, like what ifs, like what if I had ended up with that guy and having to talk through that with my husband, which are not easy conversations and navigating through that. But as of shame and regret and guilt, regret still lives in me some days, but I have to move forward and say, but I wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't be speaking to thousands of women about the grace of God had those things not happened. I mean, he used it while he didn't create that for me. He used it for his good, like he promises to. And so I think it's just choosing to believe that, like choosing to believe that God's forgiveness is enough. And you and your husband, if you are saved and he is saved, you're on a clean slate. I mean, that's really what it is. You're fully on a clean slate. There is no dirt within you you are purified and cleansed. And so I, I try in the moments when I'm really battling and I'm hearing lies, I'll write down the lies that I'm believing. And then next to it, I'll write down the truths that God's word says. And it helps me to combat it in a very tangible way. And so that would be, I guess, my encouragement to women who may be struggling because it is a very common feeling. Yeah, it definitely is. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true you know, we're, we're clean slates. And I, I always like to say, if, you know, a perfect God can love me, then why can't the imperfect me love me? Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, like you said, God, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. So who am I to say that, um, that it wasn't basically worth it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Amen. so let's talk about the wife project, because I think it is so cool what you're doing. So can you explain to the listeners what the wife project is? Yes. The wife project has my heart. So thanks for asking about it. Um, this is a course that's been heavy on me, just kind of like an act of honestly, like disobedience. 
for me for three years. I didn't follow through with it. I was afraid to do it. I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to not do it well until God just kind of was like, get it done, girl. And so the Y Project is an eight week course. It's about 10 and a half hours long of challenging teachings regarding marriage. Um, and I always say when I'm speaking to women, it's not all about you. No, absolutely not. Like it does take two in a marriage, but I think our society has it very twisted that we believe this 50, 50 thing. Like I give 50%, you give 50%. And if you don't give your 50%, I'm not giving my 50%, but that's how the world lives. And we're not the world. We're called to live above reproach and to do all things to the glory of God and with excellence. So that means everything you give to your marriage should be 100%. And when I post on TikTok or on Instagram, I hear a lot of like, when I talk to wives specifically, cause I'm a wife, that's who I talk to. It just works for me. I hear a lot of, well, what about the husband? And if my husband didn't do this, I wouldn't do this. And I just think that is one large issue within marriages is that we point fingers. But as my husband always says, you point one finger, there's three pointing back at you. And so the whole concept and premise of the Living Easy podcast and my ministry as a whole is to challenge people to evaluate their own hearts. We all have our own sin, our own struggles, but we have to be willing and aware of what it means to share that. Um, and so I, I, my kind of like my encouragement through the wife project is that nobody walks down the aisle to say I do while also hoping for a mediocre and difficult marriage. Um, we want to have a thriving, healthy, beautiful relationship. And if we give that 100% of ourselves, while it's not guaranteeing that our spouse will do that, First Peter 3 says to live, and this is just paraphrase, to live in such a way that we are an example to our spouse without even having to say a word that they will see Christ in us. And so we have the opportunity to read what the word says about becoming a wife. And so I always ask women, you wouldn't wait until your entire house burnt down before seeking help. And it's more likely that when you are kind of pursuing a strong relationship and you're seeing maybe a little bit of struggle that you're like, oh, it'll go away or you overlook it. Or even if it's the same thing for the past five years, you're like, this is just us. But if you were in a home and you saw a spark of a flame, you would do everything that you could to fix it, to fight it, to learn from it and to seek help. And it should be the same for our marriages. D divorce statistics, even among Christians, do not lie. 40% of marriages, 40 to 50% end in divorce. And I think it's like 30% um, of marriages have some, one of the spouses has an affair. And so I always ask like, why would you wait? until your marriage burns to the ground before praying, before asking for accountability, working through your heart issues, et cetera. So the wife project is intended to do that. Basically what it is, is, um, it's the eight and a half hours of teachings, challenging, convicting, loving <laughs> teachings, where I talk about everything from like the deep seated issues. We talk about trust in the small things, but also forgiveness after betrayals, like cheating and large betrayals. We talk about communication styles and the four communication styles that are, I mean, really destined to end a marriage. Uh, I talk about sex and intimacy, communication in those things as well. Um, being a crown to your husband rather than a thorn. 
And then we have the 55 page wife project journal. That is like, it's just my favorite part because it allows you to walk away from each teaching, actually doing something. So there's marriage challenges, there's communication starters, conversation starters, there's communication tips, date night ideas, um, kind of everything, journaling pages for you to sit down and say, all right, Lord, what's going on with me without looking at my spouse, but then also how can I go to my spouse and process through some of this stuff and also help him to understand my needs and why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. It launches on June 7th of 2021, and then it'll launch again in October of 2021. It's going to be a quarterly launch, um, due to the first launch being really exciting. And I've seen a lot of individual women do it, but also just groups of friends. Cause I do a group rate and then churches and community groups, women's Bible studies have picked up on it as well. So yeah, it's been pretty exciting. That's awesome. That's so exciting. And, and like you said, it's something that you know, people should be um, working on right away. And like you said, not waiting till, you know, the house is already on, on fire and, you know, just, just preparing. That's so great. Cause I mean, me and my husband, we have like our, our marriage devotional that we do. And, you know, some of the questions, some of the questions are hard yeah. and, but it, yeah. it, it makes us, it just makes us um, more aware and more conscious of the things that, that we do in a marriage. And so I think what you're doing is, so awesome. And it's something that's so needed, whether you're already married or you're engaged, something everyone needs to implement into their life. So why do you think it's so important to put God first in their, in your marriage? Cause I feel like a lot of people think, um, like oh, I'm supposed to put my spouse first. Why would I put mm-hmm. God over, over my spouse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's even a struggle with putting children above your spouse. The Bible says that it should be God and then our spouse and then our children and then our ministry. So I, I've always seen it explained. And I really love this visual of as a triangle that as you grow closer to God individually and your husband grows, God grows closer to God individually as a triangle, you are both coming together at the top at what matters the most. Um, and I think it's just, I mean, truly, I think it's very easy to become so self-centered and self-focused in a relationship that you feel this grave sense of disappointment when they don't meet your expectations. And so having the awareness and, and keeping Jesus at the center really helps. Like, um, there's so many examples, but finances, like there are so many things I've wanted to do. And I, there are so many opportunities where I'm like, Oh, I could just go on that trip or I could just buy that car or, and we have to take a step back with Jesse and I together and say, are we stewarding our money? Well, are we stewarding our money in a way that we acknowledge it's God's money and that there are a lot of people around us who need help. And is that, um, help for the GoFundMe for their adoption or their medical bills? Is that more important than a car? Yeah, absolutely. So there's sacrifice there, but it's God honoring and kingdom focus. And then it helps you to also realize there's a book called you and me forever by Francis Chan that I just highly recommend, but he talks a lot about like, there's so there's far too much at hand for us to have these petty arguments. Like the kingdom is at hand, kingdom work, making disciples, living on mission, That is what matters. These petty arguments about who did the dishes or who didn't like, while it's important to be teammates. And I talk about that a lot on my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay. 
I also think there is a place of saying, okay, but in the grand scheme of things, in light of what God has done for us, how do we really view this? And that, that affects our intimacy. Like in moments I don't want to, or he doesn't want to, God calls you to not abstain from one another because it creates a foothold. The enemy gets a foothold in your marriage. If you're not having sex, I mean, it's just the reality. So I live by verses, not by guilt or by, um, fear, but by an honor that I desire to live by. And it makes my marriage beautiful. Like everyone thinks leadership and submission. It's such a, an old foreign idea. And I'm like, heck no. If someone came into my house and they said, Lindsay, I free you. I free you from not following your husband's leadership. I would say, I do not want to be freed, but thank you so much. <laughs> like I am so good because his leadership is done in love. Ephesians calls husbands to love their wives as their own bodies and to love them as Christ loves the church. So if you're following a man who does that, I just did an episode with Jesse and he said, I had told him once about this move, like maybe you're trying to pull the, I feel like you're trying to pull the rug out from under me. Like you're making me these promises and then you get these convictions and you come back and you're like, scratch it all. And he said, there's no pulling the rug. We're both on the rug. Like I want my wife to be happy. I want my wife to live a fulfilled, purposeful life, but I also want to honor God in my decisions. And so sometimes that means sacrifice. And I want you to know though, we're both on this rug and I'm doing my best to keep us stable and afloat and, and living honorably in a way that is good and pure and and lovely, but also in a way that is saying we are not the center of ourselves and our lives. And so it just, I believe having God at the center, I mean, genuinely makes everything more beautiful. Does it make it easier? Not always. I think sometimes it's harder to live that way than to live selfishly. <laughs> I mean, it is, but the fruit, the rewards are in heaven. And then the fruit of that life, we've already seen it. You know, we've already seen the beautiful blessing of that faithfulness, even when it sucks. And even when it's hard that living that through that conviction, we're like, okay, we didn't buy those cars five years ago that we really wanted, but now we have investments that now are helping us to move to Tennessee to where we're like, and other people in our friend group who are kind of saying, yeah, we should have, we should have listened. Like we should have gone along with that because now we see we made kind of poor financial decisions and now we're stuck where you guys are in a place of comfortability, you know? So I think that's just one example, but I just think there are a lot of areas, um, that it is, it's just a more beautiful life. And it's also what you're called to. I mean, it's, if you claim to be a Christian, the Bible says in first John, you must walk as Jesus did. So are you walking as Jesus did? All right, you guys, I love this conversation so far, but let's just take a quick break. So as many of you know, I do have a health and lifestyle coaching business where I focus on helping people, you know, heal their relationship with food and heal their relationship with themselves. But I'm really noticing while in this line of work that I like to focus on perfectionism because I think perfectionism just literally bleeds into every aspect of our life, especially, you know, the health and fitness aspect but there's so much more to it, especially like careers and you know self-love and school and relationships. Perfectionism is detrimental. So I obviously started this podcast, A Perfectionist Guide to Imperfection, to talk about that, but I'm also starting a blog. Um, I have a couple blogs out now on my website, 
Um, you can check out the show notes to click my website. Um, or you can go to the link in my bio on my Instagram at this is Miranda Lee and go to my website and check out my blog. So it's just more on a perfectionist guide to imperfection. Um, I have my first one, which is five steps to being imperfect. And my second one that I just put out a couple days ago is a perfectionist guide to the unexpected. So if you're interested in that, there's short reads. I really hope you enjoy it. So yeah, let's get back to the show. I love that analogy of you and your husband both being on the rug because it's so true. And that's something me and my husband say all the time, like that we're battle buddies. We're fighting. When we're fighting, we're on the same team. It's us versus the problem, not us against each each other. And, you know, we want to both win together. It's not an I win, you lose or vice versa. So uh, I love that analogy, just both being on the rug. Um, so in, in your leave, in your living easy podcast, one of my favorite episodes is when you talk about, you know, the 10 ways that, um, wives disrespect their husbands. So can you talk about some of the most common ones? Yes. People don't always respond well to these, (laughs) but, but I share them because again, awareness and nothing changes if nothing changes. So we have to start with being aware of the things. And again, I always start a conversation about wives. I always start like with the wife project. I started by saying, this is not your spouse. Kind of like some people go to church and they're like, oh, if only my sister were here to hear this episode, or if only my best friend were here. It's like, no, the Lord has that or not episode teaching. The Lord has that teaching for you. Don't go and think about the next person. Um, And so I just say that like, yes, while your husband is imperfect, so are you. So number one, I would say is mothering. I think it's very normal, common for a woman to try and mother their spouse, to teach them how to do things the right way, to talk down to them, um, to play mom instead of wife. And I actually have a friend who had a very strict parent. And when he got married, he said, you know, I thought I was going to live as a as an individual, like as a man. And then when I got married, I realized, no, I just have another mom. And I, for me, like that was heartbreaking because one, I've totally mothered my husband and I know that he's dealt with that. And that a lot of the time, one of the ways that this plays out most poignantly is by telling him what his convictions need to be and by playing the Holy spirit. And that can be with alcohol. That can be with free time. That can be with community and fellowship. It took me nine long years to realize I am not your God and I'm not your Holy spirit. God does not call us to be a fix him wife. He calls us to be a love him wife. And I want to live that out. And so I'm not here to be his mom. I am. I'm very much here to say, "Mm, I don't know that that was the greatest decision. Here's why I think that, but I love you and I support you. And I trust that God's going to do that work in your heart. And then I go and I get on my knees and I pray for my husband. Because really, I mean, we've all seen what does nagging do? It pushes them away. It causes resentment. That's really all it is. And so, yeah, that has kind of been um, my focus. So that's one. Number two is emotional manipulation. When you get into a fight, it can be shutting down, stonewalling, crying a lot, um, just being manipulative as a whole in order to get your way. That is not honoring to God. There is an awareness of saying, I need my space, but I will come back to you at this time so that we can communicate healthfully 
and lovingly with one another. And I'm not going to stonewall you or shut you out. I'm not going to go and gossip to my friends about you because that is not a God honoring thing to do. Um, it is damaging to a marriage because just like gossip, it fuels the fire. It just makes you more angry, especially if they're feeling the fire with you. So those are all things, um, that I think it's really important to consider. And another one, um, oh my gosh, there's so many. Well, I know. I think one of my favorites that, that you said was, uh, um, the not using you always, or you never, I think that's yeah. such a big one. Cause I think it's something we always do when like you're, you're in a fight with someone, like you always do this or you never do that. And I didn't notice that, yeah. that it was something that I did until I listened to your, to your podcast. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that was something that's disrespectful. I think I can go for you know, both spouses, the the wife and the husband, just yeah. not using that language. Absolutely. And most of these can be, most of these can be used. <laughs> Men tend to struggle more with being condescending and stonewalling. And I talk in the wife project about those communication styles that will end a marriage. I mean, genuinely are proven to almost always end a marriage. Um, and then how to battle that, how to combat that. But that is one. And also one thing that's really been pivotal for us is not using the word why. Why would you do that? Why did you think that was a good idea? Mm-hmm. Why do you treat me this way, etc.? Instead using terms saying I feel like when you do this or I, even trying to get rid of the word you cuz it feels so attacking. Yeah. I feel like I feel hurt in moments when I mean it's almost impossible to not use you but I feel hurt in moments when the I I'm alone at night and, and you are doing something else. And I just want you to know that instead of you always play your video games. Can you tell this is a struggle in our marriage? You always play (laughs) your video games late at night. And I sit in here all by myself and I'm angry and I'm resentful. And how do you expect us to have a sex life when you're always on your video game? You know, and that's just me being honest, but And it's so attacking. So it immediately puts their defenses up because I'm saying you always do this. You never come in the room. You did it. Is that true? No, it's not always and never. It's not. I may feel like it's that in the grand scheme of my heart in my life, but that's not reality and it's not the truth. But it immediately, one, holds record of wrongs in ways that saying you, this is just who you are. But like I said earlier, we cannot pigeonhole somebody as one person when we know that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them day in and day out. We just can't do that. So, yeah. So I feel like that is a big one. Also, criticism, um, criticism in front of people. That is Mm. one of the most damaging things to a marriage is when even jokingly or sarcastically and people all the time, I'm just sarcastic. It's just who I am. And I'm like at the expense of a healthy marriage, though, like truly because you can be sarcastic with each other, but to be in a group setting and to undermine your spouse, to um, joke about their shortcomings, to talk openly about your struggles in a non-counseling setting when you're not seeking help, but you're just bashing. Bible studies do this all the time. Women's Bible studies. It's a bummer. That is not what we're called to do. We are called to lift up our husbands in public. We are called mm-hmm. to praise them in public, even when we don't feel like they deserve it. And if you're really struggling, just keep your mouth zipped. Um, but it, it just, again, it just fuels it. And it really, a man desires to feel respected just as you desire as a woman to feel loved. And it is very, very important that we live that out. And so just three praises for every critique 
you know? Um, and as, and, and also just remembering like these critiques, what are they for? Are you really pointing him to the kingdom or are you pointing him back to yourself? Yeah. And I, I definitely think that, like you said, not doing, um, stuff like that in a public setting and just, you know, having the respect to do it behind closed doors. Um, I remember growing up, that was something my parents always did. If my, um, if someone would, if like my uncles would invite my dad to go golf, my dad would say, I'm going to talk to my wife about it instead of just saying, oh yes, or oh no. And then they'd go and they talk about it. And it was normally, uh, yeah, go ahead, golf. But you know, the woman's usually one who like makes those plans, who makes plans. So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh no, we have this scheduled that day. Um, you know, and instead of calling the man out in front of all his friends, or I remember someone in that situation would be like, we don't have enough money for, for you to go golfing this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I remember all the wisers like, Ooh. <laughs> you don't, oh, you don't do not say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do not bring up the finances in front of a man saying that he can't afford to go golfing. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's just such a big thing, you know? And, and I think a lot of people think it's like, oh, especially with women, like, oh, you have to ask permission before you do that. And, and vice versa, you know, the man, like my husband will be like, well, I have to ask my wife and it's, you're not asking permission. It's a respect thing, you know, that you were taking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You were taking me into consideration before making, before making that plan. And, you know, it's definitely just, just all about respect. And like you said, that's something that, that men really want is to feel respected. Yeah. So what are some um, expectations that you see that couples tend to have in their marriage and why these expectations can be so damaging? Jesse will swear up and down. And if you guys hear him on the podcast, everyone's like, have him on more. He's so much like, he's like wise beyond his years. And he, he doesn't like being in the public. So I have to force him, but he will say, the most damaging thing to anything, any relationship, any friendship, any family relationship, even a parent child relationship are expectations of who that person is supposed to be because you are again. And I keep, I keep going back to this because I do think it's very important for us to realize that we are not intended to mold our spouse to ourselves. And when we get married, that's really what we do. That's what expectations are. It's saying either be just like me because I do well. Right. And I'm like, if I had a second me, even though I try to mold my husband into me, I would go crazy. Like, I don't, I don't need another high strung controlling person in this house. Like I, (laughs) I need some like calm and solace and, but, but I still try like, Oh, you need to be like this. You need to be more extroverted. You need you, you, you. And instead of saying God created him perfectly, God allowed us to join together as one. So what does that mean? That means that I can live in peace knowing that God has given me this man to balance me out. But then also the expectations of, of husbands. And I honestly, man, I'm like social media is the ultimate comparison game And when you see even my stuff on living easy, I try to share so honestly about my shortcomings, Jesse's shortcomings, but you still get people who are like, you have a perfect family. And I'm like, oh, if you had been in my house yesterday and heard me screaming at the top of my lungs, you would not think that, you know, like, I mean, let's be real. 
but they see one picture and they think, oh, they have it all. And it's just such a lie. So as women going into a marriage, they're like, why doesn't my husband lead me? Or um, like I, I share this in the wife project. There are two portions on um, submitting as a wife and being a prayerful wife to a spiritually dry husband. And then also being a wife to an unbelieving husband, because it can be challenging. I have led my family to church, probably almost the entirety of our marriage. I've led my family in scripture and raising my boys to know the word because Jesse battles with his faith. But of course they don't share all of that. I share it in small snippets, but then I get these messages like, Oh, I don't even know what it would be like to have a husband who leads me like Jesse leads you. I don't. And I'm like, Oh girl, you got it twisted. I lead my husband, you know, and not that I actually lead my husband, but when he battles with his faith, I'm encouraging him and I'm sending him scripture and I'm reading the Bible to him. Like I, I take my faith upon myself. It's my faith. But when you have this expectation of your husband to be like that next husband, one, you're deceived about what their life actually looks like Two, no husband is perfect. And three, it's really coming down to like, you're missing out on the blessings that God has given you because you have so many expectations that aren't being met because of someone else's marriage. Like you're looking over your shoulder at this green grass, but it's probably green because they're working on it. Like they're doing the hard work. Jesse and I have hard, hard conversations all of the time. I ask really hard questions. I'm that's who I am, but, and, and I challenge him, you know, and I also challenge myself. What are three things I've done that have made you feel disrespected or unloved this month? You know, like I want to know, and I don't have permission to say a word. I don't give myself permission. I just say, okay, thank you for sharing. And those are the things that grow the marriage. But just to sit back and say, you're not everything I dreamt you'd be. You're living one kind of in a, like not to be super harsh. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to be honest, but in love, (laughs) but like, it's kind of delusional to think that our spouse is going to be this perfect vision of a man because he's a sinner. We're two sinners Mm -hmm. coming together. And so it just really, it's very self-focused. And I think that it just is another call to go back to like what God has called you to and to focus on him and on the kingdom. And then you remind me of something else that you mentioned in one of your podcasts um, about like, if your spouse comes and says things to you that he doesn't like, or he thinks that's disrespectful for you to turn around and be like, well, you do this and you do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, you're not giving them a safe space to, yes. to come to you. Good. So yeah. I think that's, that's such a good point. And I feel like we all just get so defensive too. Like no one likes to be told when they're, when they're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's hurtful. And I feel like it's just human of us to want to be like, oh, but you do this and, you know, you do that. Or I did this because of what you did. And uh, that's definitely something that I know that I've struggled with and something that I've had to do. And my husband knows is he'll tell me something and then I don't say anything. And he'll be like, what are you thinking? And I say, I need you to give me five minutes because if I say what I'm thinking right now, it's going to be mean. And yeah. I'm not going to mean it. It's just going to yeah. be like the, the sassy thing I want to say back. So sometimes I, Very wise. I tell him like, I just need, thank you. Like I just need to process. I need to process my feelings because like naturally the sassy me wants to come back and, and point my finger at him. And, and he's the type where if I tell him that he's done something wrong, like he'll really take it to heart. And like, it hurts him that he hurt me. But if he tells me something I've done wrong, I'm like, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> forget you. You I'm perfect. Yeah. (laughs) I do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's so it's so hard and you know we just don't like to be we don't like to be critiqued but you know like you said it comes out of love Mm -hmm. and it's all about I think that's all about where where it comes from because we shouldn't be coming at our spouse um saying things just to hurt them and I think the comparison is like what's the motivation behind that it's not out of love it's it's you know you kind of want to hurt them and um, probably not directly. You're not thinking I'm going to say it's to hurt them, but are you if saying it makes this? you feel better? Like it makes me feel a little better to like do that jab. Well, in a huge portion, I mean, the most pivotal part of Christianity is repentance, right? Because we're saying I am lowly and God, you are greater. And so I'm going to say, I need to be humbled. I need less of me, more of you. And that's so against what the world teaches. The world just teaches pride. I'm reading Humility by C.J. Mahaney for like the fourth time because I need some humility in my life. And I'm like, I we don't realize how much pride seeps into every avenue of our lives. Like it may not be vanity, but instead it's how we talk to our spouse or it may not be success, but it's how we feel around people who have less than us. You know, like there's a lot of ways that pride seeps in and God says he hates pride. We talk a lot about drunkenness and sex and all of these things, these external sins. And yet the Bible is very, very clear that God hates pride. And I think our world, our America is full of pride and it will damage a marriage. And so to come to where we have to humble ourselves to go before God and say, Lord, I was wrong in the way I spoke to my husband or about my husband. And then to go to him. And I do this with my children too. And it's not fun or easy to say, I was wrong. Here's where I messed up. Forgive me. And without saying because you or but you, I'm sorry, but like, don't ever do that. (laughs) Um, That's not a real apology. Like, I'm sorry for my actions. And it's really humbling. And it takes you to a place where you realize, okay, I don't have it all together. And the consistent repentance, I genuinely believe is healing because repentance is not only asking for forgiveness, but it's turning from your sin. And so it's saying, I'm not going to do that again. And if I fall into that again, I'm going to repent to you and ask for forgiveness again. And I'm going to do the hard work of, of making sure it doesn't happen anymore. Mm, I love, I love that. It's, it's so true. And it's something that we need to be conscious of every day. You know, it's like, like I've talked about in a previous episode with, with Bethany Beal, it's, it's like with, um, like with God, you have to, you know, put your sacrifice on the altar every day. And I feel like, you know, with a marriage, you like, it's something you have to work at every single day. Cause it is yeah. something that's, that's going to last forever. And, and it's supposed to last forever. Yeah, it's supposed to. <laughs> you know, you can probably, yeah, exactly. And you think yeah. something's just going to last forever and you don't have to put any work in it. Like, yeah definitely have to put it put work in it so for for people who are not in relationship or not married so for the single women who are listening how can they prepare themselves for a godly marriage yeah I think it's just getting your heart right with Jesus because I think the focus on the marriage is the wrong thing um it's there's this crazy thing in society that's really pushing us to get married right away as a Christian because you can't have sex which I understand, but that does not mean that you just marry the first person that you meet and who's willing. Um, I think there's wisdom in being patient. There's wisdom in waiting and, and also knowing like this doesn't have to happen immediately, but it is instead saying, I am so focused on Jesus 
that nobody is going to pull me from that. Because when you get married, everything is magnified. The hard stuff gets harder. The easy stuff might become funny or it might become hard. You know, like those small things you think are cute become annoyances. And so to think, I always say that getting married for sex is like buying an airplane for the peanuts. Like it is such a small part (laughs) of your marriage that is just not worth rushing into. Um, And so I would just say, slow down, steady your heart, keep yourself focused on the Lord, but then also do the work of what it means. And, And you live this out in your relationships. If you're having a hard time being kind to your parents, if you're having a hard time being kind to your friends or opening up to them, being vulnerable, um, relationship siblings, like if you're already unkind or impatient or unloving or anything in those relationships, you're going to see that in your marriage. And so work on the internal stuff, like work on your own heart stuff before focusing on, okay, I'm doing this for marriage. No, you're doing it for the rest of your life so that you know how to handle the struggles that come your way. And the wife project does we, I've had a few single girls who are like, man, it's very interesting after I've gone through it, like how encouraged I am, but also how much I realized that I was focusing so much on what I wanted from a husband, but I wasn't focusing at all on who I needed to be for that husband. Um, and so that's kind of the purpose of that. We had a lot of actually single girls who aren't even dating anyone who have been really blessed by it. So that excites me too. That's so awesome. And it's so true that we have to, you know, focus on ourselves. So I think a lot of people think that things will just be magically healed once they're married. But like you said, things just, things just get magnified, get magnified. Um, so I do have a listener question. Um, someone who asked me to ask this, um, her name's Jessica. She wants to know why is it so hard to find single godly men nowadays? Um, because I want my honest answer, because I think churches are not teaching the Bible. And I think that you, you are responsible to find a church that is exegetical, meaning word for word, line by line through scripture. They're not giving you one little verse and then preaching their own opinions the whole time. Um, I probably couldn't name five pastors under 40 who are actually teaching the word of God. (laughs) And it's really sad. I mean, I laugh. It is very, very sad. And so I think that they're being raised up in a culture that is still so self-focused. Pastors are self-focused and not to bash the church, not to bash people. I just think there's a, like, we need a, a refresher on what it means to actually teach the word of God. And so you're finding men who are being led under these pastors who are, watch my words, wearing skinny jeans and, and promoting themselves, you know, and really pushing their own agenda and their own success rather than pushing the word of God. And so it's finding the churches that are raising men up that are actually teaching the word of God. And you might find that with more old school churches, if I'm honest with you. Um, My pastor is over the age of 60 and I prefer it that way. I think he stays relevant, you know, he's able to stay relevant, but he doesn't stray from the word of God. And I respect that. And I want that for my life and for my children. Um, so I think it's where you're at. Like it's, it's putting yourself there, but also I just want to say like, stop seeking that out. Stop seeking out a godly man. Just, just fight for your relationship with the Lord and, and live in that. I have an episode that's really great, um, on the living easy podcast with Kate Warman, and it's called singleness is not a disease. 
I think it's episode 42, but it was a really, really great conversation about how to view singleness and, and what it looks like to not make your end all be all to find this godly man. They do exist. I have, I have plenty of them around me. Um, but it's just, it's kind of being in the right churches and the right community groups and the right places and stuff. So kind of checking where you're at and where you're surrounding yourself as well. That's a great answer. I, I probably wouldn't have answered that question the same way. Cause I never, I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And it's definitely something that, that I've noticed as well. I think people just are trying to, you know, mix it up and be different. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's not the word the of point. God stands firm. <laughs> it doesn't change. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, not, it's just celebrity culture and it's hard. Like I am very passionate about this, so it's kind of hard for me, but, um, yeah. And, and in my realm, like I have to watch what I do. I have had many moments of, okay, Lord, am I like, is this so self-glorifying Instagram is as a whole, it's so self-glorifying. So having to constantly step back and say, this is just not about me, help me to make it more about you. Even when that doesn't appeal to people, you know, like you want to appeal and these celebrity pastors want to appeal, but then we see major celebrity pastors, their marriages are ending, you know, why? Because it's not about the Lord. It's about them. And, and so just, I think it's just who we're following and, and what we're watching and those types of things, just be fully aware of that as well. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So where can our, um, where can our listeners, um, follow you and connect with you? Yeah. So um, wife project, you can find the link to that. I don't know when this is airing, but either July or June or October, you can find the link in my bio, um, on living easy with Lindsay on Instagram and it's L I N D S E Y. And the course is it's $197, which I always say is less than two marriage counseling sessions for 10 hours of content. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at living easy with Lindsay and my website, all the links and stuff are in my bio. And then of course on the living easy podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And thanks Miranda. It was nice chatting with you. It was a good conversation. It like, I had a really rough morning and it just made me feel better. (laughs) Oh, yay. Well, I'm so glad I I was able to talk to you and pick your brain. And I'm so excited for everyone to listen to all the cool things that, that you've, that you said this episode. So thank you. Of course. All right, you guys, that's it for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this chat with Lindsay Maestas. Go ahead and check her out on Instagram. Her Instagram name is in the show notes. I will see you guys next week, and I hope you have an amazing day.